I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Welcome to Amazing Wildlife, where we explore unique stories of wildlife from around the world and uncover fascinating animal facts. This podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, an international nonprofit conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. Today, we're talking about the second largest land mammal on the planet, the white rhinoceros. In our two-part series, we will cover the two subspecies, the southern white rhino and northern white rhino. Today's focus is on the southern white rhino. We'll find out how they mark their territory, their affinity for mud, and their complex social structure. We'll also answer some questions from one of our young listeners. Rick, let's jump right into learning more about the southern white rhino. I was surprised to learn that white rhinos are the second largest land mammals. I guess I hadn't really thought about it, but I'm sure many people are familiar and know that elephants are the largest land mammal. But I wonder just how many people would have guessed that the white rhino comes in second. Rick, just how big are white rhinos, the um, southern white rhinos in particular? Well, that's right, Ebony. When it comes to the largest land mammals alive today, of course, elephants come in at number one. And our topic of the day, the white rhino, is number two in this area. So to answer the question, just how big are they? Well, here they are by the numbers. When we look at the nose to rump measurement, also known as their length, the white rhino is the longest of the rhinos, coming in around 12 to 14 feet. On average, it's about four meters. And when we look at their height, well, with animals standing on all fours, we measure at the shoulder. And again, when it comes to rhinos, the white rhino is the tallest, measuring on average about six feet at the shoulder or 1.8 meters. And the last measurement, of course, pound for pound, well, there's no beating the white rhino, unless, of course, you are an elephant. Uh, But the male white rhino can weigh in, on average, about 5,000 pounds, or right around 2,300 kilograms. And the female, about 1,000 pounds less, coming in around 4,000 pounds, or about 1,800 kilograms. Wow, that's big. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The second biggest of that. Yes. So, what about its name? Is the southern white rhino white? I mean, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but where does the name come from? Well, Ebony, interestingly enough, uh, the history of their name does not come from their true coloration. I mean, after all, white rhinos, black rhinos found across Africa, they're all both kind of the same color of gray. The majority of people seem to agree that their common name comes from the miscommunication of a translation between languages. It is believed that the word for wide, used by Dutch settlers in reference to the wide-lipped mouth of the white rhino, was misunderstood and mistranslated as white instead of wide. Now, another theory on where their name came from is based in reference to handwritten records in a journal dating back to the late 1600s. In this journal that refers to the hunting of white rhinos, it is said that the rhino appeared to have enjoyed dust baths in calcium-rich soil of a dry watering hole, giving the rhino a distinct white color. Ah, interesting. So what about the the southern portion of its name? Um, Most southern white rhinos live in South Africa. Is that where the name derives? Well, yes, Ebony. I mean, it's all about location, 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 right? (laughs) Southern white rhinos are found all around the southern countries of Africa, including South Africa, like you mentioned, Botswana, Namibia, Zimbabwe, and others. It is worth noting that in efforts to safeguard populations, some have been introduced to wild conservation sites north of their traditional ranges, too. 
Speaking of ranges, do southern white rhinos travel in herds or are they solitary? Well, Ebony, for those who haven't heard, it's all about the herd when it comes to white rhinos. White rhinos can live in small herds of just a few individuals or up to as many as 14 or more. Oh, and here's a question for you, Ebony. Do you know the proper term for a group or herd of rhinos? I wish I did. I do not. All right. Well, this is the fun one. This is the fun one for everyone. The proper term is not herd. It's actually called or referred to as a crash of rhinos. And it's believed that comes from the fact that if you ever saw a group of rhinos running, they're kind of just crashing right through the savannah. There's not much that gets in their way because they're so big. And believe it or not, they can run up to 30 miles an hour. So it's some serious crashing. And that's the great thing about these podcasts. I truly learn something new each time. Excellent. That's exactly what we want to do, right? Yes. So what is the dynamic within the crash? As in, like, who's in charge, who takes care of the offspring, etc.? Ah, yes, Ebony. Who's who in the herd, or in this case, the crash? Well, white rhinos have the most developed social structure of all species of rhinos. Rhino herds are mostly made of females, and although there usually is one or two that are considered more dominant within the group, they aren't really considered matriarchal, like we see in the elephants. Uh, The social structure just isn't there in rhinos. As far as care for the young, each mother cares for their own offspring. But of course, there is safety in numbers, so although there may not be a collective effort within the herd to raise the young together, the safety that the herd offers is very beneficial. And Rick, I read that female white rhinos travel significantly farther than males. Is there any explanation for that? Well, it's true, Ebony. While males tend to have smaller territories that they protect against other males, females have a larger territory that they will easily overlap with several different male territories. And the females do not patrol or maintain their territory borders like males do with their territories. So females having bigger territories that overlap with the males, well, it's very beneficial for the species at large. This allows the females to be more selective on who they mate with, and it offers up more genetic diversity in each herd because it increases the possibility that not just one male will mate with each female in the herd. So you mentioned patrolling and how the male southern white rhinos have that added task of protecting their territories. How does this all play out? Oh, Ebony, there have been some very interesting studies about this. So in general, it was understood that males have these smaller territories that they defend from other males. They use urine and their solid waste to mark their territory's boundaries and work to chase off other males should they cross into their territory. But get this, recent studies have also shown that males respond to vocalizations of other male white rhinos. So when rhinos vocalize, they can share information about their individual identity, uh, what species they are, of course, social context, age, and where they kind of rank, if you will, in domination or their class. So a male white rhino that holds a territory will have a different vocalization from a male that is just passing through and does not hold the territory. So then those males that are protecting their territory from other males, well, they are more likely to ignore or be at least slow to respond to the vocalizations of a male that's just passing through, most likely because they don't pose a threat to wanting to overthrow or hold that territory. Whereas a territory holding male may try to encroach and increase his territory on another male's space. So these calls require more immediate attention as far as those males are concerned. And Ebony, before you ask, 
I will just tell you right now, I have no idea what those calls sound like, so don't ask me to make them. And although our hearing can pick up on some of those grunts, whinnies, growls, and moo-like sounds that the white rhinos make, they also make a lot of sounds on an infrasonic level, meaning a wavelength of sound that our ears cannot hear. Okay, so you're off the hook there. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Unfortunately, from 2012 to 2017, the white rhino's population dropped about 15%. What's driving that decline? Yeah, unfortunately, Ebony, there was an increase in demand for rhino horn. And the quickest way for wildlife traffickers to get rhino horn, sadly, is to poach or kill the rhino and take its horn. So prior to 2012, there was some rhino poaching happening, but between 2012 and 2017, the number of rhinos lost to poachers was staggering. I can't imagine the demand for rhino horns going up during this recent period. What's driving that demand? What are people doing with them? Yeah, it it does seem weird, doesn't it? And I, I don't completely understand it, but when we try to at least understand other people, it kind of gives us a clear picture as to what's going on. So believe it or not, many people believe rhino horn trinkets and cups are great additions to their home. And others believe that when ground up into a powder and consumed or made into a paste to put on topically, that it can cure a wide variety of ailments. And it's worth noting, this is not just a problem in other parts of the world. Rhino horn items from trinkets to pills are trafficked into the United States as well as other countries. And you know what? I think now would be a great time to add a myth-busting fact to this episode. Rhino horn is not medicinal or magical. In other words, it can't cure something. It's nothing more than keratin. It's a protein uh, that is the same protein that makes up our hair and fingernails. That same protein makes up hooves and horns on other animals. And the true power of the rhino's horn only exists when it's on the rhino. And the rhino can use it for what it's meant for, defending itself. An important myth to debunk. So what are some white rhinos' biggest threats in nature? Um, You mentioned trafficking. Interestingly enough, Ebony, poaching is, in fact, the biggest threat to them right now, and that is influenced by this demand for the rhino horn like we talked about. Now, additionally, like other species, climate change is causing weather patterns to shift and lengthy droughts. This, in turn, causes a sudden change in habitats for them, making it more challenging for them to live in their traditional range. And as human populations grow, we also see the encroachment into rhino habitat as more resources are needed. What are some solutions to those problems, those threats? Yeah, honestly, Ebony, one of the biggest rhino conservation impacts we have seen since the peak of rhino poaching between 2012 and 2017 is the increased education and public awareness across the globe. International education campaigns that raised awareness about the plight of the rhino and the fact that their horns are no different than hair and fingernails and hooves proved successful. That coupled with government and non-government groups coming together to create anti-poaching units, the world saw a marked decrease in demand. That's great. Yeah, it was really great. And there are also efforts in place to better manage water and land use too. And when needed, white rhinos are being relocated to safer and more sustaining habitats. With continued efforts like this, we hope to see an upward trend in rhino populations. Yes, that's a wonderful goal. And in just a bit, we'll have questions from a young listener But first, this. Now it's time for the San Diego Zoo Minute, an opportunity for you to learn what's new at the zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. In recent years, researchers from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance and Embryo Plus South Africa have performed successful ovum pickups, known as OPU. 
Procedures on Female Southern White Rhinos at the Nakia Khan Rhino Rescue Center. OPU is a non-surgical method of collecting eggs from a live animal. Reproductive options include artificial insemination, in vitro fertilization, and embryo transfer when working with Southern White Rhinos. Did you know there are no known male Northern White Rhinos alive? After the world's last one, an ailing elderly rhino named Sudan died in 2018. When reproductive techniques are perfected, scientists are working on plans for the southern white rhino to serve as a surrogate for the northern white rhino embryos. Today we've talked about the southern white rhino, and now we have questions from a young listener. Five-and-a-half-year-old Elise wants to know, Are rhinos dangerous? Hello, Elise. Thanks for taking the time to ask about rhinos. I like that you started with asking if they are dangerous because a lot of times people think they can approach wildlife because they mean the animal no harm. But truth be told, animals like rhinoceroses can be very dangerous. Some species of rhino can weigh as much as a pickup truck and they are very strong and faster than you think. Therefore, it's always best to view the rhinos and other wildlife at a safe and respectable distance. How does a rhinoceros protect their babies? Mother rhinos will protect their babies, Elise, by using their hearing and sense of smell to avoid danger whenever possible. But if a predator should get too close to them, she will use her size, strength, and horn to fend off a predator. And if it is a white rhino, well, they tend to live in a herd, so they'll work together to protect the baby. How fast can a rhinoceros run? Well, looking at them, Elise, they look pretty big and probably don't look like they are that fast. But get this, depending upon the species, most rhinos can reach speeds of 30 miles an hour. And honestly, that's a lot faster than humans can run. On average, we usually run anywhere from 8 to 10 miles an hour. And the fastest human who's trained a lot in the Olympics, well, he reached a top speed of 28 miles an hour during a short sprint. So as amazing as that is, it's still slower than a rhino. Why do rhinos have horns? Oh, I really like this question, Elise, because to us, it just looks like a big pointy thing on their nose, right? But for rhinos, their horns are a very useful tool. They will use it to fight other rhinos for territory. And as we talked about before, their horns are also good for fending off predators. They will also use their horns to gently nudge herdmates or use it even to help guide a baby along too. Rhinos have also been seen using their horns to dig up roots and tubers to eat. Who would have guessed a rhino's horn would have so many uses? Is it hard to take care of an animal as big as a rhinoceros? Elise, I would say it is definitely harder than taking care of a pet you might have at home, like a dog or a cat. Uh, like, the first thing that comes to mind is how much food they eat every day. On average, a single white rhino can consume well over 100 pounds of grass just in one day. And of course, what goes in must come out. So there is a lot of cleanup involved every day too. Then of course, we have to think about all the other aspects of work that goes into being a wildlife care specialist for a rhino. Things like fresh water to drink and water to bathe in. That's a big bath. And we also need to consider all of the work that goes into maintaining a safe and appropriate habitat for them as well. So I guess it's fair to say it is kind of hard because there is a lot that goes into taking care of a rhino. Elise, I want to thank you for sending in your questions. I love hearing from our young listeners. And for any other curious young listeners out there, we have an email address for you to send in your animal questions. 
If you have a question for the Amazing Wildlife team, please send an audio recording of your question to wildlife at iheartmedia.com, and you might hear your question on the show. Thanks for listening. We hope you learned a lot about the southern white rhino. And be sure to subscribe and tune into next week's episode in which we'll bring you the story of the nearly extinct northern white rhino. I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Thanks for listening. If you would like to find out more about San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, please visit sdzwa.org. Amazing Wildlife is a production of iHeartRadio. Our producer is Nakia Swinton, and our executive producer is Marcy DePina. Our audio engineer and editor is Sierra Spring. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.